0: and give you the skills and confidence to get the score you want on your MCAT test day. Learn more about Blueprint MCAT at blueprintprep.com MCAT. A collaboration between the medical school headquarters and Next Step Test Prep, the MCAT podcast is here to make sure you have the information you need to succeed on your MCAT test day. We all know that the MCAT is one of the biggest hurdles you'll face as a pre-med, and we're here to give you the motivation and information that you need to know to help get you the score you deserve so you can one day call yourself a physician. Welcome to the MCAT Podcast. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week. This week, I'm joined by another amazing Blueprint MCAT instructor, Madeline. And with Madeline, we're going to talk about her journey, her non-traditional journey. We're going to talk about imposter syndrome and how not to be hard on yourself. And next week, we're going to continue with Madeline jumping back into Blueprint MCAT's full-length one. Let's go ahead and say hello to Madeline. Madeline, welcome to the MCAT podcast. How are you doing?
1: Well, how are you?
0: I am doing great. I'm excited to chat with you. I'm loving this new format where I get to meet new blueprint MCAT instructors every few weeks. And like I've done with Armin and Joy in the past, I'd love to do an episode learning about you, about your MCAT journey and being an MCAT instructor, kind of your philosophies on, on, on doing well with the MCAT because that's why students listen to this podcast is, is to understand what's going on with the MCAT and how can I just blow it out of the water and get a 5.30 right? If that were, if that were possible, (laughs) (laughs) I'll take it. Um, so talk about, um, your journey with the MCAT. When, when do you remember it coming into existence and learning about what it was and kind of the fear around it? If you had any, the anxiety around doing well on it, talk, talk about that journey.
1: Sure. Um, so I went, as uh, an undergrad, and I actually did communications as my major, but all of my friends were pre-meds. Uh, I was actually on like the floor of pre-meds in my dorm, and I watched them go throughout the process, and I literally thought, like, there's no way I'm ever going to have to do that test. I'm so happy I'm a communications major. <laughs> and, then, and then my junior year and senior year, I actually decided to switch to medical school um, and go down that path. So I'm actually a non-trad student, um, and I did a post-bac afterward where I was at the University of Utah. But it was, I think, that my senior year where I was like, "Oh my gosh, I actually have to take the test." <laughs> I used to like look at students struggling with, and I, it terrified me because I had seen how hard it was, and I had seen their emotional struggles because it's true. It's not just a test of like knowledge; it's a test of endurance of yeah. of, of dedication. Um, and that's what I was more afraid of. Uh, and so I actually. That's when I remember it first starting. And then the whole next three years when I was going through my post back, it was just constantly there until I was done with my classes. Like, okay, well, I did the classes. <laughs> now I guess I have to follow through with this last final step. <laughs> I kind of, that's the very first time. was almost eight years ago now that I even thought about it, um, but actually having to take it was probably four years ago and the same amount of fear <laughs> was, was there.
0: What was the decision for you to switch from communications? You said before yeah. to, yeah. to being a pre-med one to go to medical school.
1: You know, actually I think it was a very long time in coming. Um, I actually wanted to be a doctor since I was like a really, really small kid. Um, when I went to high school, that was my plan. When I went to UCLA, I was supposed to be in the neuroscience major and it was actually looking around at The people in the neuroscience major and how brilliant they were and how smart they were. And I had the biggest case of imposter syndrome Mm. that I just was like, oh, I'm not smart (laughs) enough. I'm not good enough for this. There's no way that I could fit in here. And so it wasn't necessarily a switch, a switch to like the medical field when I was a junior and senior. It's almost like a switch back. Cause Mm. at that point, I feel like I finally had like enough confidence in who I was and had discovered more like what I was capable of that those types of things, looking around at other people no longer scared me. And it was more like, I'm actually meant to be on the path that I started on.
0: Yeah. Such a common story, um, Mm -hmm. both from, uh, very common from women, uh, women who don't come from strong households where, where women are allowed to do whatever they want, uh, both from different religious backgrounds where in your religion, you're not supposed to, as a, as a female, um, and then just under underrepresented students, just not seeing people who look like them in medicine. And so imposter syndrome takes on many different forms. And I, I hear it all the time. So I'm I'm glad you you finally found your way back to, uh, to the dark side to medicine. <laughs> um, so this this test that you kind of uh secretly laughed at other people going, ha, ha, ha you sucker. I don't need to take that test ever. And my grades don't even matter. I'm in communications. Um and and now here you are. Talk about the the kind of the first steps for you to understand what the test was all about and 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 did it hit you at some point of like the importance of the test.
1: Yes. I think I think the importance of the test was with me for a long time. I think I I, I understood like this is the MCAT. Um, this is all important. I actually think that I maybe put even more weight on it. Like I didn't understand how many other factors actually come into your application. I thought it was like MCAT or nothing. Um, so I think that weight had been on it for a really long time. Um, and I actually had to learn that there are just all these other factors um, involved in it, uh, in applications than just an MCAT. So there's almost like a weird reversal of that thought process. Yeah. However, how hard it was. I remember my first MCAT, and I'm sure this is also a very common story, when you first have to sit down for those seven and a half hours and you're 30 minutes in <laughs> and you're like, I can't do this. <laughs> and I'll do this. And then you get your score back and you're like, oh, not only can I not do this, I, there's no possible way I can improve this score. It's, yeah. it's, dead, it's dead in the water. Um, I think those are the two big things. So I did definitely come into it terrified um, and with a lot of pressure on that score. And that first MCAT did not help. That first-, first
0: first real MCAT or practice? Practice. Yeah.
1: First practice. Yeah. First T- practice.
0: Talk, about, talk about how you go from getting that score back, right? You, you, you're sitting here going, okay, I'm over my imposter syndrome. I can do this. And then you sit down for your first practice mm-hmm. test and be like, wait, who, who, who am I joking? I can't do this.
1: Yes, that is true. Um, so I think actually two factors. There's actually a part of that imposter syndrome that came into play in almost a positive light. Because I said, every single time I've said, I, I've i said or I've thought that I can't do something, I've shown that I can. I said, I couldn't go into the medical field. I did. I said, I couldn't do all my science classes. I did. Um, and I blew those out of the water. So I know I can do it here, even if I'm starting from where I know I, from where I think I can't. So that was one part of it. I think the second part of it was also this like, Well, nobody starts at the end of their journey. Everybody starts at the beginning. And here I am, I'm at the beginning. And if I had gotten a 515, 520, 530, like you said, I wouldn't be studying. Um, And I don't know anybody who who just didn't study. So I'm just part of... The group that's going forward with this this challenge.
0: Yeah. And for all you internet trolls, we know that the test only goes to 528. 530 yeah. is a joke. <laughs> there, there'll be comments on YouTube. They're like, these idiots don't even know the max is 528. Um, that's all right. Uh okay, so so you sit down for that that first test, you don't do well. Uh and, and that happens for Everyone, right? Seemingly everyone. Of course, Mm -hmm. there's obviously the rare exception of the the unicorn student out there who sits down and is like 520. Why is everyone making such a big deal out of this test? Um, Mm -hmm. The fact that we are now talking to thousands of of pre-med students who are going to have that feeling, who are going to have that disappointment when they get their first practice score back, what do you tell them? Like, where to go from there? That point forward.
1: Well, my first thought process forward. But you just said that. Um, I guess a few things. One, I would never compare yourself to other students um, because everybody starts at, the, at different points, and I think that's one common thing I see with my students a lot. Is they're like, "Well, my friend started at this point, and I'm here. Like, there's no way we can. I can get the same goal as they are. They're going for. Yeah. And it's like, well, my friend started a different score too, but who knows? Like. If I scored higher or if not, like it doesn't necessarily matter where you start and please don't compare yourself. Yeah. That's one of the things. The next thing is the amazing thing at starting where wherever you start is there's always a place forward. There's always places to improve. And the great thing about testing full lengths, et cetera, is they show you where you can improve. So they're all every step, every full length that you take, every practice is really just like a stepping stone. And if you can learn from them and really take and squeeze all the information you can from those tests, that's what's going to propel you forward um, by learning from your mistakes and identifying them and then addressing them. So don't just be, oh, I'm so upset with my score. Say, oh, I'm so upset with my score. How am I going to avoid the same mistakes I made this time on my next mistake, on my next exam? And so I think those are the two big things. Don't compare and just use your test in all of it's amazingness, um, <laughs> or all of the weaknesses, whatever, to to propel your score and your, your confidence forward.
0: It's, it's interesting. So you say use that test to prepare yourself forward. One of the biggest mistakes that I've seen and talking to all the amazing blueprint instructors is that one of the biggest mistakes that students make is not reviewing their tests and using the task to propel Mm -hmm. propel forward they just go well i didn't do well on that one let me go take another one tomorrow and and try to do better oh i didn't do well again let me take another one right blueprint has 10 Mm -hmm. amazing full-length exams i'm just going to take them all back to back to back to back and and cross my fingers that that my score will go up
1: yeah that that is something that i hear often and that's actually one of the things that we do like within the live online course actually and just kind of as a tutor instructor in general is teach people how to use these um because i think it can be intimidating because you've just finished an eight-hour exam it's not like you want to go and review what you're weak at that's not really a confidence boost necessarily um so we teach people how to review their tests and not only how to review them but how to find trends um and things that you can like actionably work toward to avoid your last mistakes like if you're if you find that you're finding a trend that you're not very good at math well then let's make a plan to work on math for the next two weeks. Let's not just ignore and keep going because then in the next test, you're not going to get better in math. So I think that's the big thing is we teach people how to identify these big picture trends and work towards them in, in incremental goals.
0: What's a, bi- a big hurdle or, or what's a, a strategy or technique or mindset that you use to help students work on their weaknesses, right? Human psychology mm-hmm. is we want to avoid pain um, as think- much as possible. And, and, Pain is. I want to mm-hmm. stay away. From, I, I I don't want to work on my weaknesses because that causes me pain. And so I'm going to work on the stuff that I know I'm good at, and and I get my good scores back on my Q banks and everything else. How do we overcome that mindset?
1: Oh, that's a great <laughs> question because <laughs> I think that we all do have those things where it's like, oh, I'm so good at enzyme kinetics. I'm just going to keep doing that because it is a pride booster. Um, but I think. I would say a big part of it is, a just like you said, a mindset switch. So we're not in this test for pride. We're not in this test to say, oh, look at how good I am at this one subject. This is a test that is a mile wide, inch deep. You need to have a little bit of information everywhere. And I think just being aware of that, that's the biggest thing is being aware that we're drawn towards these. Um, these strengths and being like, okay, if I'm drawn to it, maybe I shouldn't be doing that. Um, if I feel that kind of inclination, maybe that's not where it should be. Um, that's one thing. But the great thing about at least the blueprint test is they do give you like analytics. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of times they actually show you, hey, this is actually your weakness. So you can't really trick yourself out of it, <laughs> which is nice. It's like, oh, I can't say I'm good at mirrors because I'm not getting any of my mirrors questions, right? Yeah. So that's one thing that's also can be really- Is anyone useful.
0: good at mirrors and lenses? <laughs>
1: I don't know. I know some people are good at looking at
0: them, but I don't know if he's good at them. Oh yeah. Oh, I hate lenses. I never understand. <laughs> never understand lenses. Um, good. Good thing um, you don't need them for podcasting. And I, I, I don't know who uses them. Obviously, ophthalmologists use lenses for uh, for their work, but outside of that, probably not important. Um, talk, talk about what's the what is the biggest traits that you have found successful MCAT students have?
1: I don't know if this is a trait, but I'm going to put it out there. Um, I would say support systems or trying to to lean on other people and and be be open to that. I think that this is a really hard mentally mentally hard test, and going through it in a vacuum just makes it harder. Um, so whether or not you have like a study group, somebody online that you're chatting with. Um, a family, a friend, a significant other, that can be really useful. Um, And I think that I see a lot of my students who are successful, be able to take breaks and go and get support from their friends and families um, in order to kind of go to the next step. So I'd say that's one thing. The next thing is just honestly, this kind of, this grace. Um, giving yourself grace at the end of the day. So I don't think any MCAT student that I know of, and I certainly didn't do this, ever fell asleep during their MCAT journey and was like, you know what? I did enough today. <laughs> <You> <laughs> did plenty. I am good to go. Nobody I know does that. You fall asleep and you're like, oh, I should have done this. I should have done more yeah. flashcards. I should have done X, Y, Z. There's that should word consistently. And if you can bring some grace into your life where you're like, you know what? I did my absolute best today. Whether or not you did 20 flashcards or you did you know, 150, If that was your best, if you can fall asleep and say, I did my best, whatever that is, and give yourself some grace, I think that that goes a long way. So I'd say students who are able to do that, come, come out with a mentally fresh attitude every day and are able to hit their studies a little bit harder.
0: Uh, I struggle with that one, a ton still do, Mm -hmm. um, running a business and all the podcasts, I'm like, I should have done more today. Right. Uh, I, I could have done more. I should have done more. And it's the days where I give myself grace. I don't give myself a hard time for what I was able to accomplish or not able to accomplish. It definitely takes a toll uh, on your mindset and your bandwidth of wanting to get up and do it again tomorrow. Like, why would I want to do this again? If at the end of the day, I'm just going to be mad at myself for Mm -hmm. not accomplishing uh, what I wanted to accomplish or not getting the scores that I wanted to get. Uh, so I, I definitely think that's a huge, huge mindset shift for a lot of students.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially pre meds too. I think in general, the pre-med like population <laughs> is just under this like constant pressure cooker type of environment. And so I think it's almost built into our DNA to feel that should have, would have, could have attitude. Yeah. And so it's not the easiest thing to switch. Absolutely not. Heaven knows. I probably did it once a week, yeah. but on those days when I did, just like you said, it, it made me feel calmer and it made me feel just a little bit more refreshed and ready.
0: Yeah, it's it's hard when you go on to reddit and student doctor network and you're looking at your classmates Ooh. and everyone <laughs> says they're perfect on them uh, on on those uh, on those websites and and everyone is lying to themselves.
1: <laughs> yes, indeed.
0: Yeah. Um very cool. So talk about um you going from having this imposter syndrome to taking the MCAT, getting your first full length score back, right? Thirty minutes in, going, this is ridiculous. I can't do this. Getting mm-hmm. your score back, going, see, I told you, I couldn't do it. Um, and and now getting at least, a, I think, a five nineteen that Blueprint has for for being a live online uh course instructor for Blueprint, like. What was that journey like for you, both from the amount of work that you put in, and from that that kind of feel good mindset of like, I oh I can do this.
1: It's a great question. I would say the journey was long. <laughs> That's the first thing I would say. Um, but it definitely was. So a few things. One, I was working part time and I was going to school part time. Um, so that was a little bit of a time step. But I definitely wasn't full time involved with like family or um, a full-time, full-time job, something like that. So I was fortunate in the fact that I did have a very flexible schedule. And because of that, I was able to really hit the ground running with some pretty, uh, int- I'll, I'll say intense, uh, hours of studying at the very beginning. Cause I knew the first thing I needed to do was just get the content under my belt. There are some things I had not seen in two years and I'm sure some people have taken it and haven't seen it in five years. They're like, Gen Chem, what is this? <laughs> And so I felt very similar. I was like, okay, the first thing I need to do is just get that content. And that's kind of what I learned with the MCAT just as I was going through it too. It was like, the MCAT kind of expects you to know a lot of the content. They want you to know how to apply it. Yeah. They want you to know how to do like mental gymnastics and apply it to a novel situation. And so I can't do any of that hard stuff unless I have the basics. So I spent months and I was not one of those people that spent like one month. I did like an eight eight month journey. Wow. It was not something that like somebody was like, you can do this in three months. For me, I don't necessarily pick up on concepts super fast, but mm-hmm. once I understand them, I understand them to their core, but it takes me a long time.
0: How did so you know How did you know that you were going to need that long? Was that just something you knew? I don't pick up on concepts, so I'm going to double whatever the normal amount of time as students take.
1: Um, maybe part of that. Um, I also just thought to myself, like, I don't want to regret not having enough time. I remember that like starting in, I think I started in October and my exam was in May. Yeah. And I just remember thinking like, I have the time. Um, I might as well kind of just start on it. Cause I did know myself. I'm, I'm, I don't want to say slower, but maybe a little bit slower. And I knew I needed to do that. Um, but as I was going through it, like once I did pick up on the concepts and I was like, oh my gosh, I understand this. Like I can tell you anything and everything about enzyme kinetics for like days. <laughs> um, and because of that, I was like, okay, now I can practice. And so then I added in more practice and then more exams. And then of course, COVID hit and <laughs> things lengthened a little bit more. <laughs> and at that point, uh, I just started practicing like crazy because I knew I had my content under my belt. And that's kind of what got me to my test. So just kind of this combination of content first practice second i had practice obviously during some of my content so i could look at those weaknesses but i definitely that's how i hit it first and as i was going through it i had plateaus i think everybody has a plateau or two or three yeah and at those moments i just had to think like okay maybe this test was uh testing some of my strengths and this test was testing some of my weaknesses maybe my time's getting better but my comprehension's you know um also increasing but maybe in a different way so I had to really especially in the times where I plateaued think what am I doing right and how can I you know continue doing this in that section and then improve on this other section um was the other thing I think during the MCAT journey was really hard but I had to kind of overcome um and then once I did overcome those hurdles I think um it was just practice after that
0: yeah for the the student who's beginning their journey now, looking at online courses, Blueprint now offering this live online course where they have instructors, at least two instructors uh, for each of these live sessions and then all the office hours that they get. Mm-hmm. What What is a recommendation from you for them to check out uh, whether a course is right for them, whether they should self-study? What was that algorithm for you and what do you recommend for other students?
1: That's a great question. So I think for the first, for the most part, I actually didn't even understand what courses were when I went in, I just kind of thought there was one way to go about it. And that's how I did it. I just started studying from books. Uh, That being said, I don't think I understood how much strategy comes into play um, with the MCAT. And that's one thing that the online courses for sure teach you and actually capitalize on is here, yes, we're going to definitely talk about some content, but we're going to teach you how to take this test. We're going to teach you what to look for, how to highlight, how to utilize every each of these strategies um, to the best of their ability, whether that's for Roman numeral questions, process of elimination, going back to the passage and reading figures. All of these different techniques rely on strategy. And it's hard to pick up on unless somebody kind of I don't want to say walks you through it, but like shows you, I also don't want to say shows you light, but shows you, you know, that there is a way to hit these without just like brute force. And that's the one thing that I think like, if you know that maybe you're not the best test taker, if you know that you fall into traps and tests or strategy isn't your big point, this is definitely where to go. Um, because not only do we all have the strategies, but we also, we have so many different thought processes. So like, well, not so many different, but like I'm going to have a little bit of a different strategy than Paul um, or Armin or Joya, and if mine doesn't work for you, you have another instructor there to help you out, yeah. which is also kind of crazy. Like there's two instructors <laughs> to tell you um, kind of different strategies to figure out what's best for you. So I'd say those two combinations of one, we're going to teach you strategy, but two, we're going to teach you strategy that works for you.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: it's really important with the live online.
0: In in medicine, we're we're taught that you can never diagnose something you you haven't seen right? So mm-hmm. if I have a patient come and has some weird presentation, I'm not going to know the tests to diagnose it and, and, and really understand what's going on to help the patient unless I've seen it before, right? And mm-hmm. that's what having multiple instructors going through a course and teaching students uh, how, to, how to, quote unquote, diagnose this question on the MCAT, is oh now I've I've seen this type of question before. I know the type of thinking that I need for it to get to the answer that that the MCAT wants, that the AMC wants me to get to here. So it's it's a very similar kind of process in, in medicine in general of just uh helping you understand what potential diagnoses are out there uh to get to the the right answer.
1: Absolutely. And it's again kind of going back to like MCAT shouldn't happen in a vacuum like lean on people who've done it before lean on people who who've seen things before and I, I love that kind of concept of just you know nobody's alone in this and I think making that community like I know everything's online obviously live online but like there's a community there like yeah. people are making what that groups people are talking to each other within like the student groups itself and then with us and it's like we know what we've did, done over the weekend <laughs> what we've chatting about and like we're there to support each other and and also to show those diagnoses. So it's kind of like this cool combination of, yes, we're there to obviously teach the test, but also to support you and for you to support other people through this journey and to be supported. Which is
0: cool. What's the a parting piece of wisdom that you want to give students as we wrap up this episode?
1: Parting piece of wisdom. Um, it's a lot of weight on a single question. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, I would actually just repeat Um, give yourself some grace, give yourself some patience and kick butt (laughs) because you're capable of it. And if you ever think that you're not, remember either this journey or one of your friends of somebody who didn't think that they could, but you can. So those are my two things. You can do it, kick butt and give yourself some grace.
0: All right. There you have it again. That was Madeline, another blueprint live online MCAT instructor talking about her journey to medicine. Very similar to a lot of you out there. So hopefully you keep your head up, you keep that imposter syndrome away as best you can, knowing that it never actually goes away. I still suffer with it to this day. You just accept it and understand that it's normal and you push past it. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on the MCAT Podcast.